Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Oh, don't go, Jamie. No, 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 no. Not yet. Later. But you got to do it on the organ, okay? Later. He said that he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Verse 2, he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there. And we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife so the two of them walked on together and Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father he said here I am my son and he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering where is the lamb Abraham said God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. They came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac. Laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his, thorn, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Hmm. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Father God, I pray that your word would not return into you void, but do that which you please and accomplish thing where until you sent it. And I ask, Father God, that every word not be mine, but yours. We need to hear from you today, God. And I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit is saying to your church and that we wouldn't be ineffectual hearers, but effectual doers of your word. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Will you thank Jamie for that? I was going to say tinkling on the keys, but that wouldn't be appropriate, would it? Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Let me talk to you just very quickly about about what I prayed and felt like the Lord wanted me to share. You got the scene. The backstory is that, you know, Abraham has had Isaac in his old age. He was 100. His wife, Sarah, was 90, right? I mean, Sarah laughed, said, hey, you're going to be prego. She laughed. Everybody above 50 would laugh, right? Are you here this morning? The Lord made it rain, so you can't leave early. So just, it's more fun if we just do this thing together, okay? I mean, it's bad out there. Lord, just pour it down till we get out. Um, now, for those of you who are new, you've never been here before, we're so glad you're here. Amen, New Hope? Aren't we so glad they're here? Now, the people around you would tell you, that you need to come back and hear Pastor Tom because it's better. It is just lower. I always say this, lower your expectations. This isn't going to be, you know, the expositor experience. I'm a simple guy. I got like three points, a couple poems, and a few jokes. And I pray that God take all that mess and turn it into a message. Amen. Right? Yes. It's the way we're going to roll today. All right? So you're slumming it with me today, but still, the Lord's the one who does it, right? Amen? So lower. So y'all come back. You don't like this. The things I'm about to say have no reflection on New Hope Church. It's pastor or the staff. In Jesus' name. Or the state of California. Whatever. Okay? Just turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to get through this. Just tell them we're going to get through this. Now, i got to come down here. Hopefully, I can come back up. <laughs> You'll help me. Yeah, that's really sad. That's really. Uh, so, they have this guy, and they are past old, right? They're, they're beyond old. They were, they're like. Old people are going, those guys are old. I mean, they're old. 100, 90, I mean, please. Any century is too old to be having a baby. You know what I mean? It's a miracle from God. God promised, because Abraham wanted a son, right? I mean, he wanted a son so bad that he kind of took some matters in his own hands. But we're not going to talk about that today. All right, we don't have time to talk about that. But he tried to help God out. You always get in trouble when you try to help God out. They're still paying for that over there. Anyway, but back to this. God comes through. She gets pregnant, has a baby, right? Sarah says, I laugh, and people around me are joining in my laughter that this old lady is nursing a baby. That's crazy, y'all. So then, after time goes on, he's probably a teenager. Some people say, well, he was 30. Nobody knows. And certainly, why would he call him a lad if he was 30? Maybe he would, because he's like 110. You know what I'm saying? Or he's 130 or whatever. I mean, he's, you know, maybe you would call 30 people your the lad. Uh, but anyway, most likely he's a teenager. So Abraham's like 115 years old. Right? And God speaks to him and says, Did Pastor Tom call? Did he tell you to turn me off? You said, Go back? This is a dead spot? 
Talk to me, Dan. Just shaking your head. I don't. That so I have to move. Move around. Okay. Is it a dead spot over here? We alive over here. We alive. We guest star before every service. Man, he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go and sacrifice him. Well, actually, it doesn't say that, does it? You know, I thought it said that, and then I was looking at it last night. It don't say that. Throw that scripture back up there. What does it say? Verse 2, right? He says, offer him. Offer him. I looked up the Hebrew word for this. Do you know it is, it is translated many times as offer or offering, right? But the majority of the time it's, ta- it's, it's translated arise, go up, lift up. Most of the time. Now, there's a bunch of times it's offering. It's kind of a generic word, but it has to do with altitude. It's always about, even if you're offering him up, you're offering him up. You're not just offering, you're offering him up. He says, he want, he says I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Okay, now, listen. I don't care how spiritual you are. If I came to you and I said, listen, I was really praying. And God told me to go, what's a high mountain around here? Leconte. Okay. That's weird. Leconte Mountain. I've lived here forever. I never knew that. Okay, Leconte. And I said to you, God told me to take Jonathan, whom I like a lot. He's growing on me. And take him, and I'm supposed to offer him up as a burnt offering. You would think what? That's crazy. He's like, Pastor Buck has lost his mind. We got to pray for him and call the police. I mean, right? I mean, these people in the Old Testament, they are crazy. God could tell them all kinds of weird stuff, and they go, okay. Right? Tell the prophet, lay on your side for a year, something crazy. Lay on my side. Now, if I got that word, I'd like that. <laughs> Lord, Rhea, the Lord told me to take a nap every day for the next two years. Don't touch the man of God. <laughs> right? Go kill your son? That is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, that's weird. It's strange. I don't care what year it is. That's, that's, that's bad. That's bad. And he goes, okay, Lord, here, you know, here we go. He, like, gets a team. Like, let's get our camping gear. <laughs> like, they got livestock involved. They got, like, servants He's chopping wood. Have you ever chopped wood? Takes a while. Right? When you're chopping wood, you got time to think about stuff. Like, you get to reevaluate your life a little bit when you're chopping wood. Like, the first thing you reevaluate is, why am I chopping wood? (laughs) I need to pay somebody. Right? What's happening? But certainly, if you're chopping wood, that's going to take some time. Right? And it's the Middle East, not like there's trees everywhere. So we got to get some wood together. We got to chop some wood. It's going to take some time. See, y'all don't think about this stuff. This is the kind of detail you get when you get me. <laughs> He's sitting there thinking about it. Okay, I got to chop this wood so that I can burn my son. And he keeps doing it. Now, some people have a hard time with this passage. They take it as proof 
that God is not real. There's just a bunch of crazy people in the Middle East thousands of years ago. Those poor, ignorant Middle Easterners, right? Here's the thing. In that day and that time, there was a bunch of human sacrifice. There was a bunch of it. It wouldn't be so strange. But I am convinced that it would always be difficult. Every parent should. If you're in your right mind, right, you should love your children, especially when they're younger. You know, before you get to know them good, <laughs> right? You love them, right? You give them the benefit of doubt for a couple decades, then it's off. But that first couple decades, you're still hoping, right? And so you get, <laughs> you get this guy, and they saddle up, and they go on this trip. It takes them a few days to get where they're going. And then he tells the dudes, okay, y'all stay here with the donkey, and me and the lad are going to go there and worship. Now, see, even the terminology is outside our box because in their culture, there would be no concept of worship without sacrifice. And us, we think worship is where God comes down and tickles us. <laughs> Was that a... Oh, okay, you're a fan of where I'm going. You're not wanting God to come down and tickle you. Okay, I just don't know. You never know. There's charismaniacs everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so, yeah, we just think, oh, worship is so, I just, ooh, I got to get my praise on. We say dumb stuff like that. I get my praise on, right? Or I didn't really like the way worship went today. You know, I wasn't feeling it. What I'd like to say to you, in, in all sincerity, a doctrinally sound statement of shut up. <laughs> the Hebrew word is shut up. That's stupid. Worship is not about you feeling awesome. Worship is about declaring he is worthy of it all, baby. He is worthy of it all. I am not. Worship is that transaction where we get everybody's role straight. He's the one to be worshiped, not me. So if worship is all about how you feel and what you receive and what you get, you've missed it entirely. Making sure Pastor Tom is not sending me corrections in real time. Okay. <laughs> I'm accountable. You know what I'm saying? So, he has the concept, there's no worship without sacrifice. What do you sacrifice when you worship? What are you putting on the, what did you come in here to put on the altar today? Or did we not even think about that? Oh, I just came, you know, and Rhea and the band, they're going to make, you know, hey, ho, hey, ho, let go, say, hey. And then we think that's, come on, man. What do you get all dressed up for? How about when we come in here that we offer up a sacrifice of praise? What if, what if God wants you to offer your tiredness as a sacrifice of praise? Well, I worked all week and then, you know, and I really, it's my only day. Again, shut up. That is worthless. Hear my heart. And again, I don't work here. I'm like they had this guest speaker, told everybody, shut up all the time. I did not. I said, shut up in Jesus' name. Shut your mouth. Stop saying dumb stuff in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we, we gotta, we've got to get an understanding of what this thing is about. It's about him. 
Jesus said, if any man come after me, he must first deny himself. Take up his cross. Cross is what kill you. Do we not know what a cross is? We're like, I love the cross. I have it on a necklace. It's so wonderful. A cross is an execution device. Take up the thing that executes you and follow me. Now, none of that sounds fun. Deny my, first thing you got to do, say no to you. I've got to go to a church that meets my emotional, spiritual, and sociological needs. No, you need to get over yourself and ask the Lord, where do you want me planted and stop moving around? How about you plant yourself where God says and stick it out till God changes you or them? Right? I had a pastor, could not stand that guy. Could not stand him. Couldn't stand him. Maybe still can't. Don't like him. I said to my mama, I'm leaving. Where are you going? I'm going to Tabernacle. Well, it's Baptist church. Big Baptist church in town. All the cool people went to Tabernacle in my high school. They had pizza parties after the football game at Tabernacle. We couldn't wear the girls had to wear culottes to camp. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't the same, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, Lord, Jesus, culottes. I mean, we, we couldn't mix bathe. I had a swimming pool, right? Can girls come up? No, no. Why'd we build this pool then? I'm a teenager. I need some mixed bathing in my life. You know what I'm saying? I went to a church where that was a no, no. You go to hell. Do not pass go. Right? That's right. I said, I'm going to Tabernacle. She said, why? I said, because I'm sick of this guy. She says, well, you need to ask the Lord where he wants you to be. And I said, mom, why do you stay with these yahoos? Now, my mother, now some people say this is vindictive. Mom didn't say it like that. Judy, Judith Ann ain't like that. You knew her. It's like, I mean, she's like classy. You feel like she never sinned before, right? She's hard to relate to sometimes. You know, like, wow. I mean, I never even heard her burp. You know what I'm saying? Is that kind of person, right? It's weird. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you normal? Jesus comes, sit on her bed at night, talk to her, tell her stuff. I'm just like, I'm over here struggling. <laughs> I was in the word today. It was so wonderful. And the Lord revealed this, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, I'm just trying not to lust, mom. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make it. She said, well, she said, I would pray. She said, because I decided long ago. I'm going to be where God says. And I was here before they got here. And I'll probably be here when they're gone. And I'm not leaving till the Lord says leave. What I'm talking to you about is having a mindset to where you are not in charge of your decisions. Where God is the one who orders your steps. That doesn't mean organize your steps. That means he's given orders. See, we need that mentality. I'm not in charge. Death in me, life in him. No to me, yes to him. Right? Say amen and I'll keep going. I'll move on. If you, listen, y'all don't say nothing. I just stay in on that point over and over. Okay, so say amen. Come on, people. Work with me. So he says, we're going to go up here to worship. They get up there. He's got the wood, builds the altar, puts the wood around it, puts the bundles. 
His son goes, pardon me, <laughs> father. <clears throat> He's like, here I am. I don't know what Abraham's deal was, the here I am stuff. Here I am. And he's like, we're not playing tag. I'm trying to ask you a question. I see the wood. (laughs) I see the knife in your hand. And you got a torch. (laughs) We're missing something. Where the lamb at? He says, throw that scripture up there. I'm not sure which one is. He says, the Lord will provide for himself. God will provide for himself. Now just stop right there. Don't read the rest of the sentence. Just read that part. God will provide for himself. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, let me try to get this out. When I saw that, my head blew off. I said, hold on. I never noticed that before. God will provide for himself. See, we get into these moments where God is asking stuff of us. And the Lord and the, and the enemy wants you to view the Lord in a negative light and say, see, God's taking stuff from you. Right? God won't let you have that. God won't let you keep that. God won't let you see that. God won't let you go there. God's not going to allow you to, just when you think that you're getting somewhere, he's going to require you to. Listen, God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't. Uh, uh, People even say, why were we created? And they go, because God needed us to work. No, baby, God don't need nobody to worship him. He is whole. If you've learned anything from Pastor Tom about holy, he's whole and complete and lacks nothing. He is not in deficit. He doesn't need you. Somebody died. Christians go, well, God must have needed them more than we did. Stop. Shut up. Stop saying that. That doesn't help. God didn't need anybody to die. God didn't need anybody more than you needed them. That's not what happened. Okay? Are you with me? I'm here to tell you something. God's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give you something. And the sooner we understand that God will provide for himself. God will provide for himself. Then you can begin to try to ask this question. Okay, if God's not trying to take something from me because he needs something of me, then what is God doing? See, I'm no longer seeing it through the, like, like a child, you know, like mine, right? God, what are you up to? He tells, he prophetically tells his son. The Lord will provide for himself a lamb. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second. Three things that were said in verse 2. God said to him, take your what? What's the first thing? Your son. Okay, stop right there. What does that mean? Thank you. What does that mean? Why is that significant? If someone is your son, then what does that mean? Huh? Your heir. Part of you. It's from you. It's part of your, like your DNA is in there, right? Your seed. He's of you. He's yours. Your son. You're related. You're not buddies. You're not friends. You haven't been together decades and you're you're pals. No. This is your son. Right? You're invested. Then he says, the second thing is what? Your only son. Okay. Why do you have to say that? He's, well, 
That is a good point that I don't want to chase. But yeah, because he had tried to help God out, he had another guy, had another kid, had him first. But the Lord says he's not going to be the heir. He said, so take your son, your only son. So what does that mean? That means this is the most precious thing to you. This is the whole ball of wax. This is your everything. This is all your hopes, all your dreams, all your plans. This is your future. This represents your tomorrows. And he said, the third thing was, the one you love. You are emotionally invested. This is everything, all that you are. Body, soul, and spirit is invested in this one guy. He says, take all of that that is most precious to you and offer him up. What is it that you love? What is it that is most dear to you? What is it that you are counting on that God has walked in today in 2022 and said, offer it up to me? This is a crisis of obedience, right? Why would God need that? He doesn't need it. Why would he want it? Okay, why would he want it? Does the Lord explain why? No. See, sometimes our problem is we are whiners. W-H-Y. N-E-R. We're whiners. Right? God, I'm going to need you to submit a request form stating the purpose, the duration, and the... Right? Before I will... And we'll take it to the board. <laughs> we'll consider it. Right? We'll get back to you. Have your people call my people. Right? That's not the way obedience works. He's the Lord. See, we think there's a democracy. There ain't no spiritual democracy. There is the theocracy. One guy in charge, everybody else not. Right? So you have to decide, am I going to be obedient? Well, it's hard. It's difficult. It's confusing. I think uh, Pastor Tom reminded me. I wasn't here. I didn't hear it. But he reminded me today when I told him what I was preaching about that a few months ago, he talked about this. He talked about this passage. He spoke on it and taught and said that this chaotic thing, right? Bring all this chaos in this moment and you don't, and you don't understand and you don't get it and yet you choose. I, I don't know what to make of this so I'm going to choose to worship you. Can I just tell you that that has got to become our default position. We've got to lay down our right to know everything. To understand everything. And for everything to make sense. When people tell me. Well we know that everything happens for a reason. I just bite down hard on my tongue. Till it bleeds. Because that is wrong. <laughs> I'm so popular today. I can feel. I just feel the popularity. I just feel it. Y'all are so excited about this. <laughs> Not everything's going to fit in your spreadsheet. Not everything can be written down in a nice, neat soundbite. Many times serving God and especially being obedient to God, you're doing it like you're obeying a mystery. Now we value a lot of things and our mind seems to be at the top. But I'm here to tell you to follow Christ is to come and die. 
to yourself, to your will, to your ways, and especially to your right to understand. And a lot of people have a hard time with that, and it's costing them. It's costing us. It's costing the church. That radical obedience seems to be a thing of the past. But it was the radically obedient that received back their dead alive. It was the radically obedient that didn't need a doctor. They would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. It was the radically obedient that would pray in the mortgage payment. It was the radically obedient that would see the miraculous. Hey, a guy, listen, my grandfather, Al Rogers, and, and uh, Brother Hobbs walked in to the house where the boy was, 13-year-old boy run over by a milk truck. Chest cave in, marks across his chest. It's all sunk in, waiting for the people to get there. Back then, you know, it wasn't like call somebody. It's going to take a while. They walk in and say, where's the body? Laid hands on that dude. Chest come back up and he asked for a bologna sandwich. I'm not talking about something. Some, I'm not talking about Smith Wigglesworth. I'm talking about a dude who had some kids who got married to some kids who became, or my cousins. You understand? I'm related to his grandkids. My grandfather put his hands on him and saw his chest raise up. Radical obedience is the, it's difficult, it's hard. When God asks you to take the thing you're counting on, to take the thing you're dependent on, to take the thing that you made your, all your plans around and sacrifice it to him. But if you don't offer that thing up, it goes from being a dream of yours to an idol. Okay, let me tell you something. We left here. We had this beautiful house that we had built. It was amazing. It was awesome. We got to live in it for 12 months. And then I moved Rhea out of there. That house is like 5,200 square feet. I hate to even say that out loud. But we didn't pay that for it. Somebody here, I'm not going to call his name because then y'all be asking him to do it. He gave it to us for cost. Built that thing for us. It was like $50, $52 square foot. Something crazy. It was awesome. I mean, my bedroom had a living room and a fireplace in it. We had like four walk-in closets up there. That whole upstairs suite for me and Rhea was like 1,800 square feet. It was awesome, especially when we were fighting. Because you could go somewhere, right? you get out of there. We left here. I took her to Texas, and we moved into the church parsonage. 1,600 square feet. Filled up the garage with all our stuff. <laughs> Took a massive pay cut. And, we, and that was when the housing bubble burst. So we couldn't sell that house to save our lives. This was the biggest, nicest house in the neighborhood. Right? So we started renting it. Lord asked me to... See, the Lord makes me upset sometimes. These people, we rent it. We're going to rent it to them. They've lost everything. Let's rent it to them for less than what the mortgage is. So every month, I was losing money. I was having to pay to allow these people to stay. They lived there for years. I was losing money. Then finally, I'm like, okay, we're going to try to sell it. Look like we couldn't do that. So then we're like, okay, we're going to chop it down, chop it down, chop I mean, oh, we're talking about $100,000 down. Still can't sell it. Then, finally, we're about to lose the thing. Find a renter. 
prepays, do all this kind of stuff. Bank says, we're foreclosing. I was gone. Rhea was at home alone. She got a certified letter in the mail. How many know that's a wonderful phone conversation? The wife says, I got a certified letter I had to sign for that says they are foreclosing on our house. The Lord told her that she got off the phone with me to get some communion and make an altar out of the ottoman and sacrifice that house to him and take communion and give it to him. Okay? Now, I didn't know that. Right? So then later, she's gone. I'm at home alone. I'm stressing. God, what are we going to do? We're renting this house. We needed that house to do it, to sell or do something. We could take the money and put a down payment on this house. And the Lord said, I want you to take this ottoman and turn it into all. She had not told me that story because she wouldn't really wasn't very happy with me still. You know what I mean? And so she said, I, I didn't know that. She said, take this, uh, this ottoman, turn it into altar and sacrifice this house to me. I said, sacrifice the house. You know, they're foreclosing. I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, I sacrifice this house to you. You know what he said? You know what he said? He said, let me tell you something, son. That house don't love you. I love you. That house don't care about what you've been going through. I'm the one who's seen your tears and heard your cry. You have take, taken a thing shaped by men's hands and shaped it into an idol. And look to it to secure your tomorrows. Tear down the high place. It's real fun when you find out you're an idolater. And I realize I've been putting my hope in a house. That's dumb. Right? But I've been doing it. They foreclosed. February 13th, never forget it. Day before Valentine's Day, no smoochy smoochy for me. You know what I'm saying? It's a cold day. A cold day in Texas. Hey, girl, how you doing? Shut up. Just shut your face. Week later, watching a revival. Rhea's like, are you all right? What do you think? I said, I think I need to go to this revival in Tennessee. I used the last $400 we had to our name. Bought a ticket, rented a car, drove, got there five minutes before service, sat on the front row, and that joker came down and prophesied over me. Pastor there said, hey, man, you, gotta, you get the check? He said, you get the letter? You get the letter? I said, what letter? He said, I sent you a letter. I said, no, man, I, I'm just calling to tell you I'm coming to the revival. He goes, you got the letter? I said, no, I didn't get no letter. What are you talking about? He goes, what are you doing? I said, I am coming to see you at the revival. He goes, you didn't get the letter? No. He said, my Lord Jesus, make sure you see me after church. So while I'm there, Rhea gets at the door, knock, knock, knock. Certified letter. Another one while I'm gone. She's like, oh my God, what have we lost now? Puts a letter on the ottoman. I ain't making this up. Never told y'all this story. Ready for it? He sits me down after church. He goes, Some people asked, how y'all doing? I told them, y'all are in trouble. He says, well, I tell you what, I'm going to send them $26,000. I said, $26,000. Did you hear me? I looked at him, I said, what, what are you talking about, Willis? 
said, I'm going to send you. He said, he said, and he said, and man, I've been walking around with this for weeks. I had it in my coat. He asked me if I would send it and overnight it the next day. I said, what, what, um, <clears throat> when was that? He said, February the 10th. I said, that man gave you the money? On February 10th, I told you to overnight it. He goes, yeah, man, I'm sorry. It's been three weeks. I said, he did not know. I said, bro, do you know what I would have done if I'd have got that on the 11th? He said to me, I feel like you would have sunk it into a dead idol. We bought tires for the car. We got a sleep number bed because I was getting up like a cripple. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to say that. I was getting up like I was, I don't know, crippled. I don't know what to say, how to say it. I had a hitch in my get along. I was getting up every morning with the jelly leg. I couldn't feel anything. I was walking sideways. And, uh, and then the guy that we were wanting to buy the house from, that we were renting from, he called me and said, hey, man, uh, I don't want you to put 10% down. I just want you to put 5% down. And all the rent that you've paid this last year, we're going to just put that on the principal. Interest-free. I've been praying at that moment for a $10,000 miracle. I had somebody buy my Twitter handle for several thousand dollars. I had, I'm not making that up. I can't talk about it. I signed an NDA. And then somebody I never met had me do a funeral, gave me $2,000 to do the funeral. All said within, I had $31,000. And I was sitting there, reopen up that check. That guy was telling me she was in Texas. She opened up that check and saw that check. Valentine's was back on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hey. I sat there. I said, you got to be kidding me, man. What, are you, what in the world? And so then I started doing the numbers. I started adding up all the money I had spent over that seven, eight-year time into that house. And you know how much it was? No, it was $30,500. And in two weeks time, God had given me $31,500. He had given me all my money back plus a thousand dollars. Why am I telling you this story? Hey, we just bought those three things. We gave the rest of the money away, gave it away. I was praying for $10,000. I gave more than $10,000 away. I like Santa Claus in the spirit, like Holy Ghost filled Santa Claus. Just giving people money all, all over the place. Here's what I'm telling you. That man, God said, take your son, your only son, the one you love, the thing that's you, the thing you're counting on. The thing you're invested in, the thing you hope in, the thing you're looking towards to make your tomorrows, listen, and sacrifice it on this altar. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something this morning? I don't know what it is that you hold more precious than Jesus, but you got to lay it on the altar because I'm here to tell you that thing, it doesn't guarantee your tomorrows. That thing don't love you like God loves you. That person can't get you what you're looking for. You understand? Here's the truth of the matter. He was on a hill. He did everything God asked him to do. And then the Lord provided for himself a lamb see we think when God is asking things of us that our dreams on the line that our plan is at stake 
that our future is in peril. It's not about your dream. It's about His promise. The promises of God are yes and amen. And it's not going to come the way you thought it was going to come. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be without sacrifice. It's not going to be without tears, without heartache, without getting to that place to where you say, God, you are worthy of it all. All of me. All of mine. All my stuff, all my plans, all my dreams, all my everything. his prophecy was not that God would provide a ram it was that God would provide a lamb I was going to read to you 2nd Chronicles chapter 3 where it says that God told Solomon to build the temple on Mount Moriah temple of the Lord where they would offer sacrifice year after year was built on the spot where Abraham had bound his son and right outside the walls of that 300 meters from that spot was a little hill called Golgotha and it was lifted up above it all when Jesus was on the cross When the Lamb of God was nailed to that tree and offered up, raised up, God's Son, His only Son, whom He loved, was looking at the spot where the man had prophesied, God will provide for Himself a Lamb. On the other side of your obedience is far more than you've ever imagined. It's way more than you were planning on. Way better than you were dreaming about. He's not just going to give you a ram and get you by. He's going to provide his own son. When you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, you get him and baby if you got him you got it all stand on your feet thank you for joining us for the new hope sermon of the week for more information about this podcast or other resources visit newhopeonline.com